0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
1: I'm Kim Grinnells of dogman.com with the, I call her the beast of athletic director at University of Washington, who put in 13 miles today on an absolutely gorgeous, crisp, cool day. Up in Seattle today, Jen. I, (laughs) you know, how how nice for those out of town. How nice was it out today?
2: Oh, I'm telling you, like I actually did this walk over the 520 bridge and back, and I was coming back over, looking at the greatest setting, and I'm like, why would anybody go anywhere else to school? The University of Washington. I mean, it is one heck of a day here today. Um, yeah, it's gorgeous out there.
1: Yeah, lots of blue, and it's just like mm-hmm. I said. It's just you know, it's it's low high thirties, low forties, and just blue skies, yeah. and Lake Washington's up like a sheet of glass, and you know, greatest setting in college football. But Jen, it's just I, I'll tell you, I don't know if it's busier during the season or during the off season, mm-hmm. but boy, we got hit, you know, early in the week. I kind of had an inkling it was coming, but Larry Scott, the commissioner of the Pac-12, decided to go ahead and step down. He'll be on through June. Just uh, your reaction, and what does this mean?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's great timing, right? Um, The landscape of college athletics is just shifting so dramatically, and this conference is not about whoever leads it. You know, this conference is about the 12 great schools that are in it, and the student athletes, the coaches, the fans, the alumni bases, the cities, right? The network. And so we have so much potential as a league. And um, we're not as far off as people, I think, have have said. And I think that is a a reason why change is important, because when you get to that point where the optics are where they're at, you got to create change and you got to shift that momentum. So um, I'm looking forward to um, whoever serves in that role and working with him or with her to help, the league gets stronger, but obviously, you know, we want to win championships at UW and that leadership at that level is really important and impactful for our ability to do
3: that.
1: You know, I I told you the story before, you know, the head of our network 24 seven sports um, announced that he was stepping down and he said that he felt as though he had taken the network as far as he could and the skill set necessary to take it to the next step. He didn't have those tools in his toolbox. So he was better off, you know, handing off to somebody Mm -hmm. had that skill set. Is that kind of where Larry Scott was at?
2: Yeah, I just think it's like this is where we're at as a league and and as a conference and as an industry, which is I really believe we've got to get somebody in this position that has a fundamental understanding of what college athletics is all about, where it can go, how we can continue to combine the value of education with sport. With everything coming our way, with NIL, with uh, with the Alston ruling that's going in front of the Supreme Court, and whether or not we're going to be compensating players, Um, you know, where media rights are, how the fan bases are changing, and probably most important, Kim, how students are changing, you know, students' expectations and and kind of what they're looking for now, and how we manage student related issues are complex. So. That's a lot to ask for one person, but I think great leadership, somebody that understands the value of of college sports, that loves higher education, loves students, we can fill in the gaps on the media and branding side too, if if we can't, if we can't find somebody that has, you know, strong background just in television. So I just think it's a good time to pivot because the complexity of what's going on in our in our work is is just unlike anything I have ever seen.
1: Tell me if I'm off base on this, but, you know, I see this as kind of a two-prong attack on hiring somebody new, uh, one to run the league. But, uh, you know, I think somebody who's strong in running and being a Pac-12 commissioner may not have that skill set to get the TV deal done. That That's a whole different skill set. And, you know, being just good enough at one of them and just good enough at the other might not be good enough where this is actually going to need more than one person or an outside consulting firm on the media end of it.
2: Yeah, I mean, the media deal is so obviously, you know, we know how pivotal that is, right? For us, um, for our exposure, for our finances, for meeting our fan expectations, for closing the gap. But those deals are cut and they last, as you know, right? (laughs) We've been frustrated with ours, you know, after just a few years in. And so, but they're done. And so you absolutely, you know, have to have somebody in this this role that's going to be committed to a successful next deal for us, but it doesn't mean that that person has to be driving that expertise. I mean, there are so, just think alone how many brilliant people we have that are tied to our 12 institutions that are experts in this industry, in this specific area that we could tap into, or maybe it's a consultant and, and, or maybe it's a commissioner that has is, is experienced it in another power five conference at a level that he or she can bring that expertise. But um it's more than that you know it, it, our work is more than that and a leader really the most important thing i think for the person in this position is to be able to um and where i really think we're at is like being able to inspire the 12 universities leadership communities within where the universities are for for people especially in the academy to understand that like an elite athletic program is not in contradiction to an elite academic institution They work together and we can be, we want to be excellent in academics. So why wouldn't we want to be the very best in sports? That's like what has to be inspired across our 12 schools. And um, I think somebody with a fresh look on that is going to be able to work with our CEOs and obviously support our athletic directors who eat, leave, (laughs) live, breathe, sleep, the desire to be the best.
1: You interested in the job?
2: I'm interested in Dub. you know, we, we had built so much momentum and then, you know, let's be honest, like the momentum has stalled in a lot of different ways, in some ways that we just really have had no control over. And it, it's so interesting because the irony is like, we're still doing what we exist to do, which is serving students and developing them. And if you talk to our student athletes, even Elijah said, Molden said those, I'd never trade anything for those last four games. Those four games we had that like thank you. That was like everything. If you talk to our kids, they'll tell you, like, they're just so grateful for any and every opportunity that, that they've had. And so, okay, so great. Like we're still doing what we're supposed to do, but not being able to do it fully, not being able to do it with our fans, not being able to, to connect with our season ticket holders and our community. It just feels like we have so much work to do to rebuild that again. And that's where my focus is. All
1: right. don't laugh when I ask you this. Okay. People I'm are asking, people, people
2: I'm are asking, laughing. It's okay. I'm people are asking is
1: Chris Peterson Whatever interested in the job?
2: Oh my God. That's so cute. Um, I wish. I mean, <laughs> you'd have to ask him that question, but my, my guess is um, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Um, Chris is, but I mean, that's his, the, 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 that would be his question to answer. All I can say about Chris Peterson is that, I mean, how lucky are we that we still have him in this area impacting university I actually had the chance to sit in and listen to him do a leadership presentation for foster school of business the other day. And um, get, I mean, I, I talk to him every week at least once, if not more times a week to get counsel and advice on things. I have him um, on board um, as a consultant with another um, guy named Brett Ledbetter with a company called what drives winning. And he, they do weekly or monthly sessions with our head coaches um, he's doing a lot for people that want to be their best leaders and highest performers in our industry behind the scenes right now. And that's pretty impactful. You know, he's changing a lot of lives. So um, C- Commissioner Peterson, I would not complain about that, but I, I don't know if we could get him there.
1: Yeah, that at, looks- least,
2: at least he's not like, at least he's, you're not asking me, Oh, is he going to be the Boise state head coach again? Or some of the other crazy <laughs> rumors that I've heard.
1: I can imagine I've gotten the look because on questions I've asked Pete, and I pretty much know the look I would get. You know, so same one when I ask him. I mean,
2: you're like scaring me, making me think about that steely look. (laughs) I know that look too. I've been on the other end of that look before.
1: The answer is uh no. Next. Oh
2: yeah, I can see that. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Uh, We got hit with another bombshell Uh, in the middle of the week with Pete Kwiatkowski leaving University of Washington and going to Texas and. I know that uh, you thought the world of Pete Quackhouse.
2: Oh, I do think the world of PK. I mean, actually we were just texting each other today and you know, it's just, gosh, I mean, he came in with coach Pete and those guys, you know, and all the years he's been here and they transformed this football program and have put us in a great position uh, to take the next step of winning the national championship and getting back in the CFP. That's what those guys did. And, Also, as you know, I mean, you know, I'm off the field. I mean, just a wonderful person, wonderful family Um, in this, in this work. I mean, you get used to it. I call it the breakup. Usually it happens in December, um, sometimes in January. This was a later January one. Didn't necessarily see it coming um, because those guys didn't work together before, but I get it. You know, he, he wanted to try something different. He, he done a lot here. And sometimes people need to, to mix it up a little bit and try new things and challenge themselves. And like, that's what we're all about at UW. Like I'm never going to hold a student or a coach back who sees themselves and wanting to grow in a different way. Um, that's what life's all about. And so as, as hard as it is, I trust Jimmy, this is his bread and butter and I think he's going to get somebody in here that's going to replace PK that we're going to be excited about. and's going to do a great job and, keep the momentum of the defense that both pk and
1: jimmy built can you tell us who jimmy's going to hire
2: i cannot (laughs) 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 and i can tell you that i don't think he's made up his mind yet i can i can honestly tell you that but i i cannot i cannot share names. sorry
1: yeah people asking if uh budget's going to be an issue is there a limit on uh (laughs) on the hire
2: Oh, God, no. I mean, first of all, budget's always an issue. (laughs) I mean, budget's an issue in college athletics, and it is certainly an issue at the University of Washington during COVID. Does it limit football with what he needs to be successful? Absolutely not. I mean, Jimmy has known since he got the job throughout this year and in the future that whatever he needs to be competitive with his assistant coaches, we are going to do. Whatever he needs to be competitive with recruiting, we are going to do. I mean, that, that is like a no-brainer for me. I mean, football has to have the investment even in the hardest times because football is how we're going to financially get out of this situation um, long-term. So it's not an issue. It's not a barrier. And I, I, I really feel confident that, you know, it's, it's, it's more of a fit, you know, hiring. And Coach Pete would tell you this too, like bringing people into your building, it, you know, bringing people into your organization it takes a lot to find the right person and there's a lot of great coaches out there, but it's not just about coaching. It's about connection and leadership and fit within the community and fit within the the culture of the organization and and the program and the the university. And so um, it's a great place and he's going to get a great person
1: yeah, I just want you to touch bases on it one more time because there's just a lot of people out there who think that the budget constraints would limit a higher uh limit recruiting staff and re- you know limit the recruiting budget but you keep, you've told me more than once that that's not an issue you're you'll do what they need to do to be competitive.
2: Absolutely. And we actually already, you know, even right now we've done raises on several of our assistant coaches this year after a short season just to make sure that we're retaining them and we've extended people, we've done, we've basically made adjustments to a majority of our football coaching staff's contracts this year. Um, So we will always invest in football. The budget challenges that we have, they are very real. I mean, they're, they're scary real, but football is our, it's the engine and there should never be a limitation. And I, I don't see any limitation here for our ability to to be elite in football from a financial standpoint at all. And, they, and if you ask Coach Lake if you were on, which would be kind of fun, we should do one with both of us, um, one of these conversations, he would tell you feels like he has what he needs, and when he doesn't, he asks, he gets it.
1: Yeah, you know, this has just been a strange year. You know, Jimmy gets hired, and then yeah. uh, the, the, the COVID thing you know, no spring football. And it's just been weird. Just, uh, you know, tell us how you feel Jimmy navigated this system and just how you feel that the football team did. Um, You know, it it sucked because I didn't get down to be down on the sidelines and you were there. But uh, uh, especially after that Utah game, I saw fired up Jen on the sidelines. Yeah.
2: How did Jimmy (laughs) navigate this year? Yeah. So there's a couple of observations that I had around this. And you're right. I mean, it's just such an abnormal year. Uh, to get your arms around everything. I would say that because of that in and of itself, the the way he responded to the adversity of it and the lack of control that he had on so many factors for a coach in particular, a first time head coach was unbelievable. I mean, like, it was like I'd punch him with something then I'd hit him with something else. And then He might have one second where he would react and then he would pop back up with some sort of positive reaction or pivot for how he was going to handle it with his team. And he did that month after month after month. I mean, for us to not be able to start on time, you know, we've talked about this before and, and we're not, it's, it's not a finger pointing thing. It's not a blame. This was a very complicated situation across all 12 of our schools we happen to be in a part of the country that, you know, has certain aspects of how our States are going to be managing COVID. I mean, we didn't have a shot, but it was awful for all of us and for him and for our kids and the way he kept those students focused. And then we went two months without a a single student athlete getting COVID. So, I mean, to have our season and the way it did was just so frustrating, you know, because of how well those students stayed focused. But so I loved, I loved his ability to, um, respond to that and his ability to constantly say positive and, com- and competitive and to keep his guys focused. I really liked how he engaged his leadership team. You know, you have to remember that he also on top of all this adversity, we also had all this, these issues around, you know, Act 12 United and student rights. Then we have um, all that's going on in the world of, um, you know, social injustice and all that comes at you as a, as a coach and as a black coach of, of a lot of black young men. And how do you navigate all that? And he had all that come out him and he worked with his guys. He worked with Elijah. He worked with Kate. He worked with his team, uh, you know, before Levi left, you know, there were guys that he really relied on and did a good job of empowering the students themselves to help navigate things, which I think is a sign of a great coach. So the, all those things are kind of non-field things, right? Like just kind of, but they're important. And then to see the way they played with passion. I love the way those guys played. I mean, I mean, of course, I mean, none of us want to end with another freaking loss to Stanford. I'm so tired of that. And I texted coach Pete in the game. I'm like, is this groundhog's day? Like, what is it? You know, of course he had like his whole assessment of why Stanford is such a tough matchup for us. But, um, I love the energy that they played with and like, you, you know, you probably saw them from the stands. It was so quiet in there that they had their music going and some good dance moves and you could feel the passion for football from that
1: team. You could definitely hear it. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I
2: mean, it was cool. And it was like as much, it was awful not having our fans. It was so sad having it be empty. There was something so beautifully pure about those moments though, because you could see the passion those kids had to play with each other. And I love seeing that for a coach. So I think we
1: got a glimpse of it with Jimmy Lake on with ABC after the Utah game. Yeah, he was fired yeah. up.
2: He was great. Yeah, he was great. And so, yeah, these kids really respect him. And I think the only drawback of this season that I think has been a challenge for us outside of all those things already listed is with recruiting, not being able to get kids on campus and not being able to have recruiting, you know, and just having to have everything be a dead period and kind of behind the scenes and not being able to have visits. And like, we've, you know, we got to get kids on campus. We got to get kids to see that greatest thing. Like we talk about the Eagles I saw today soaring over and there were boats out today. I mean, it's magical here, but we got to get people on campus. So I know he's anxious to get back into a traditional recruiting cycle and um, have a big year next year too.
1: This might be a long-winded answer for you, but, um, you know, and I don't want, you don't have to talk about the specifics, but, um, these kids, it, it hasn't been easy, you know, just in the bubble they're in and locked in their dorm room with COVID. You've got kids going back home, you know, and they haven't seen their parents in months. Um, they're getting a feel what real life is like back being home and not being in the bubble at the dorm room, mm-hmm. and football practice and all of that, and that homesickness and, then we've yeah. got the whole thing where they get home and the transfer portal has become an issue now. Yeah. So yeah. I'll just let you go.
2: <laughs> yeah, this is a big topic I love to talk about because I think there's a couple layers to this. First of all, I think that we're living in a transfer culture <laughs> and I think transfer culture is, is, is well beyond sports. I think that this is a societal issue with, in like you just even study like how many jobs a millennial is going to have in their lifetime and just people they, they want to move around faster now to kind of get to where they want to be and we're definitely going to see that now we're going to see it more with student athletes in sports you know if it's not really where they want to be at the time they don't have an opportunity then boom they're going to go someplace else for it that's going to continue and it's going to be a challenge and we're going to all we're going to have to get used to it. it's really hard on coaches and teams and it's it's really hard on fans too um, but I do think you make such an excellent point that there has been, this year has been so weird and there's been so much, um, sacrifice it made for our student athletes without the same type of reward, I think. And like the team activities, like they really can't do a lot with each other. Like it's, it's really not a lot of fun. It's been all business. And. Um, they couldn't see their families at all in the fall. And it was, it was really hard on our kids. And so, yeah, I think everybody, whether you're a student athlete, a student, uh, just a, a normal human being these days, we're all trying to figure out, like, what are our lessons during this COVID time? What's most What's most important to us? And I think for some of our kids that, that have had such a hard year being away, our freshmen were really homesick this year these students going back home, we gave them, want to give them a break. We want to have their well being be their number one priority. Like, yeah, you worry they're not going to come back Yeah, because it's such a weird year. And I, and like you and I've talked a little bit about this. I'm seeing this with employees too. Like people just have really responded differently to the adversity of COVID and what they want in their lives. And, and I don't, I don't judge that at all. Um, especially for our students who have gone through
1: so much. You've got a high school age student and you got one in college. So I, mean, I do you remember, yeah. I mean, that feeling when you haven't seen one of your boys in a while and they walk through yeah. the door, there's no feeling. I
2: know. Like that. I know. And you don't want to let him go. I just sent my, <laughs> I just sent my, my oldest sons at college of Charleston in South Carolina. It's far away. And uh, he came home for a couple months. Uh, so he was home from, thanksgiving until the first week of january and sending them off again you know it was an extra long hug so you know for student athletes i think they have a lot of options now and when it's easier to transfer and there's less rules and that's going to continue it's pretty easy to pop in someplace else that's closer to home that makes mom happy i mean that that is a real challenge for us and at the end of the day and we could do a whole session on transfer portal and transfers. how i feel about it i'm really torn Because I love these guys and and women in our program like my own. I think every person just like PK just left, right? Like every person should be able to go to where they need to be to be their best selves. That's like my mission in life. The flip side to that is one of the things I love about sports is that it teaches us the discipline to stick, stick by something. And it's not about us. It's about the team. So this is kind of a contradiction, this new thing, you know, and then just being able to pop out all the time really impacts the team. When somebody leaves that you're not expecting to leave, but I, I but I kind of see both sides of it. So I think we just need to brace ourselves for this being a more common practice in sports, and our fans I uh, think un- unfortunately are going to have to stomach that.
1: Kids transferring from UW to another school, or kids transferring into UW, is it both. harder? Is it harder to transfer into UW than it is other schools?
2: I don't know. I don't know if I can say that's. True. I mean, what was harder for us for sure was this grad transfer thing. You know, we had a hard time getting that figured out. But, you know, now we've had two years in a row with the grad transfer where we've been able to figure out a way to make it work within the grad programs at UW. So I think the grad transfer thing's been a little bit more challenging for us. Undergrad, probably not, maybe depending on the timing. But, you know, we always have an opportunity to get students into the University of Washington. Some of which that might not meet the initial academic standards because we have a case for how they're going to have support here and enrich the community. And we have great stories about that, by the way, Kim, like, you know, a, a kid like Vita Vea, who ended up being on the dean's list multiple times, you know, without football you know, he's not, he's not getting a look. I mean, I wouldn't get a look. You wouldn't get a look. (laughs) He
1: had, he (laughs) had no grades. He had to sit out a long time. He had no grades, but look at what he's done. Yeah.
2: It's unbelievable. And that's what I, you know, I mean, that's another passion of mine for sports is that, you know, it's just, it's access to education and it's access to changing your life. And I think education's beyond your grades and your SATs. I'm sorry. It's about like Work ethic and and uh, teamwork and like courage and like failure and like pressure and high performance and in you know relationships and collaboration and like test scores and GPAs to me just don't translate to to tell you whether or not somebody's going to be successful at life and so I'm proud of the fact that we get some we don't get a lot but we get some students in here. At this university, this great university, whose lives are forever changed because they had access to this ed- education, and they thrive when they're here.
1: The For academic the, success, part, the numbers are off yeah. the charts right now. Yeah,
2: yeah, I know. We're really, you know, we were worried this fall, and um, winter is always our toughest quarter, so this might be a little bit of a challenge. But we were really worried this fall because. All the students really wanted to come back. I mean, it was very clear that, and we fought for them to be able to compete and, and practice or train or wherever, whatever stage these sports have been in. But by like about Thanksgiving time, you could feel the fatigue, and our academic support team was concerned. And, you know, these kids are just tired of Zoom. Could you imagine? I mean, it's already hard enough with work, but like school on Zoom. I mean, I see it with my sophomore in high school. It's a joke. He's like playing video games. While I was Still trying to go to school, and it's it. That's what these kids were dealing with, and they they just got through it, and they kicked butt. We had a, te- we had a GPA for our athletic department three point four in the fall, three point four for the department. And we had for the department, and for we had twenty of our twenty two teams above a 3.0. and the two teams below the 3.0 were both at, at like a two nine five. So I mean, not average GPA that our students get in our athletic department tends to be at or higher than the average student body GPA and our graduation rates tend to be higher. So, um, you know, it's something we're really proud of. And we also, it's not enough though, to me, like we have this whole incredible boundless futures career development program that was funded by a donor four years ago. And it's all about life after college and like you can look at that greatest setting like I saw today and I can say, why would you go anywhere else? And it's not just because of that. It's like you will be taken care of with access to opportunities, connections, and resources for the rest of your life if you come to UW. What's That's it, how great this university is and this network is.
1: What's it feel like when you're on Twitter and you see Buda Baker signed a big contract? Shaq Thompson signed a big contract? Vita V yeah. is going to play. I mean, what's it like when you just yeah. see these guys in headlines?
2: It's just really, I mean, it's so funny because I get just as much joy for them as I do like hearing from a student athlete that just got their first job, you know, teaching somewhere. It's just like so powerful to see them translate in their lives. I mean, it's fun to see those guys just because you've known them since they were kids and you know how hard they worked for that. And you know that the, you know for them that their lives, their families' lives, their children's lives, like will be profoundly impacted positively for the rest of their lives because of how successful they've been. But I also like, when I watch that, I also just see great dudes, don't you? I mean, we have great dudes in the league. I mean, they're just good human beings. They all do good stuff in the community. They love being Huskies. It's just, there's a pipeline there in the NFL right now that's off the charts. Of well, when these, some
1: of these guys, when they were in high school, they had a lot of knucklehead in them and just to see. <laughs> them,
2: <laughs> Yeah. They grow and change. It's funny. I actually texted a couple. We had two kids, um, uh, Freddie and, and Ethan from our men's soccer program, The first time ever in school history um, this week that were both first round draft picks uh, for major league soccer. And I was texting both of them this morning, congratulating them, because I was a little delayed. It was a couple of days ago. And, and they were just, all they could talk about was like this whole play, you know, this place changed me. It's prepared me for this. And, and um, that there's no doubt. I mean, the, those guys that are playing in the league, they got their preparation from the opportunity that they had here. And it's not just what happened on the field. It happened off the field too. Selling
3: a little or a lot. Podcast, all lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odyssey podcast.
1: All right, let's switch gears and get into the basketball yeah. program. Give me, yeah. give me a give state of the uh, basketball program. It's yeah. been, a, been a rough year.
2: It sure has. You know, I mean, first, my you know, my initial reaction is like I just respect and appreciate these kids so much, you know, I mean, they have stayed healthy. Um, we haven't had to cancel a game yet. Um, this has been very difficult from a team building chemistry building standpoint for this group of guys to not be able to do a lot together. I really appreciate their effort and like how hard they've worked to keep fighting through, you know, so much disappointment and frustration. Um, you know, all that being said, like, we, me, Hop, our coaching staff, our student athletes, you know, we expect higher level, you know, um, accomplishments within this program. You know, I mean, nobody, nobody's okay with where we're at. And so, you know, I'm frustrated for them. I do feel like, though, they're getting better. And I really like their effort. They're not quitting. And obviously, it was a really fun fun night um watching them beat Colorado the other night they played really well I thought against UCLA obviously tomorrow's game against Utah is going to be really important to kind of see if they can keep that momentum going but um yeah I mean you know we got to get better and and we will I you know there's no reason why we can't be a dominant team in the Pac-12 which means we can be a dominant team nationally in basketball and we've seen success before with hop and 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 we've just got to get ourselves back on a, a better track moving forward.
1: Yeah. And with this instant gratification society that we're in, you know, you're yeah. all as good as your last win and it's been rough. But you know, a lot of talk is hop on the hot seat. There have been buyout numbers put out there. Is is Mike Hopkins on the hot seat with you at all? Absolutely not.
2: You know, I'm completely committed and we're committed to Hop and supporting him do what we know he can do. And he's shown us that already. And he's a two time Pac 12 coach of the year. He's a hell of a coach. You just gotta get the right, you know, formula for uh, sustainable success. You know, we had a couple, you know, unbelievable players last year in the program that left. And you and I have not talked about this before, I've talked to hop about this before. I mean, the one and done model, it just has not been a successful model at the University of Washington. It hasn't. And as talented as those guys are and how much you might love them or whatever, it doesn't seem to work. And so, yeah, you know, so now here we are, right? Um, so Mike is not on the hot seat um, I believe in him and support him obviously want the team to get better and so does he and nobody wants it more than him um, I think everybody that knows him knows how passionate he is about this and how personally he takes it when we're not competing at the level that he you know wants to take this program but you know we're, you know we're gonna move forward we're gonna we're gonna get this basketball ops building built we're gonna get a shovel on the ground soon and we're gonna do that and I think that'll help you know, show our commitment to recruits that, you know, University of Washington isn't just a football school. It's a basketball school too.
1: Tell people maybe something, you know, Mike Hopkins as well as anybody. Um, Mm -hmm. Tell people something about Mike Hopkins and maybe give them a little bit of glimpse that they may not know about Mike.
2: I would say the thing about him that probably people don't know is just like what an avid um, learner and how curious he is about improvement and change and getting better Um, you know, he's just like really interested and always trying to get better. So he's very great with feedback. He's very open to trying things a different way. He's very progressive in the way he thinks about things. He's just a very humble person in that regard. And um, you don't see that when he's, you know, yelling at the refs or <laughs> those types of things. I mean, with the hot yeah, mics was, next to
1: the court with okay. no dog pack. I,
2: yeah. We had, I, you know, we had to talk about that. Unfortunately, <laughs> I think there were other, I had some fam- some tech- emails from, from some families that wasn't a family friendly representation. So yeah, I think, um, you know, an empty gym with a hot mic is not a good, not a good look um, and basketball, coaches by nature are just hot personalities when they coach. So I remember a funny story about Hamlin. Um, I think it was his first year, maybe second year, first or second year we went over to Pullman to watch and we ended up winning a really exciting game over there. And um, we were, I was with a donor and a couple staff members and we sat right behind the bench. I mean, right behind over in Pullman, you're right there. And he is just like crazy as you know, when he coaches and I didn't, you know, you don't notice as much a Heck Ed. I'm not right there. I sit across from the Heck Ed, and then I was behind him, and he was just all over the place, and he was with Sam. He was doing crazy stuff with with Sam Timmons, and he was just wild. And at the end of the game, they won. He came over and hugged me. He goes, are you always going to sit behind the bench?
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's
2: <laughs> funny. There. Yeah, I was like, hell yeah, I'm the real babe. I got my eyes on you. He's like, damn. Yeah. Um, so, I would have given him yeah. a choice.
1: It's either me or Will his mom. <laughs> Choose one. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, I mean, at the time Griff was there too. I was like, Griff's crazier than I am. Uh, so yeah, no, he's just a he's a wonderful person. Um, and he's a great coach and he cares deeply about his players. And he he's he prides his program on connection and family and team. And I and I do think they've had a really hard time with that. I mean, it just how you build, and I, and I understand that it's no excuse at all for where we're at, but as a leader who's, who, who kind of leads with this, like, you know, authentic from my heart, like all about people and trust and how we build that together. I have had a hard time with that, with my staff, not being able to, to connect the same way, not being able to be together, not being able to do the same things together. It's, it's been a challenge, but we all are going to learn from this and we have to get better from it. And I know, I know Mike will get better from this experience.
1: You mentioned shovel in the ground basketball facility. That's yeah. going to really pique people's interest. Uh, what can you tell us? We're doing
2: it. Um, so just kind of a refresher for, for our folks. Um, we got this project approved already. We got, we went in front of the border regions it was such a massive mammoth accomplishment for, um, Thankfully, because of our donors, we had raised about 53 million in, in pledges. So we had commitments of about 53 million. Um, thought we were gonna probably need to raise about 10 more and went and got the board's approval three, four weeks before COVID hit. And so that put us on pause for a little while. But what we've decided to do is we're moving forward. I mean, we have we have dollars raised, we have donors that are committed to this. Um, we got to work through a few other things this spring and then look uh, maybe by summer trying to get somebody on board, hire somebody this summer. So it'll take a little while, but we expect to keep proceeding with the project. And it's, it's really important. It's training facilities and practice and training facilities are a very, very critical part of uh, a student experience. And and it'll be a big part of our ability to keep basketball um, on the forefront uh, within our athletic department and for future student athletes that want to play basketball for the UW.
1: There's something included in that for softball as well.
2: So softball is a little different softball. We're actually putting the shovel in the ground for softball in three weeks. Really excited about this. Um, across from softball kind of by Dempsey, we're building a softball uh, performance center that was a hundred percent already donor funded. And um, we were, we were about, a year ahead. I'm planning for that. Um, then the basketball project, we had all the money into. And so we're, um, yeah, we're going to build a indoor batting facility, uh, for our softball program, a little home and space for them. when we renovated and built the ballpark for baseball, we were able to do an indoor facility for, for them. And, uh, the women are long overdue to have one themselves. And especially in this climate and, Heather Tarr is a champion coach, man. I mean, she is one special leader and uh, an anonymous donor who doesn't like to be named. So I won't say <laughs> that person's name, but we're we are going to actually all go down there and put shovels in the ground with our masks on here in
1: a few weeks. So we're
2: super excited.
1: When will we see shovels in the ground for the basketball facility? I
2: don't know that yet. Um, it, it takes you got We got to figure out how long it's going to take to get the architect on board and then permitting... Um before we before we start to t- basically demolish where the old swimming pool is, that's where the that's going. So demolition would be our first step. And yeah. I don't have the answer to that yet. Yeah, what what I do know is that I expect to have clarity on that timeline um, this spring so that we can move forward.
1: Give me a couple highlights on some, you know absolutely have to have some cool stuff that might be in that basketball facility.
2: Well, you know, it's funny. It's like first of all, the bread and butter is that we have to have. 24 seven court access for student athletes in both men's and women's basketball. Like that's, and that doesn't seem sexy. Maybe to you and I, that is so sexy to players and to students. I mean, it's a home. So that is like the starting, that's like the crown jewel of what we're going to build around, but we will have a front porch, you know, like if you go to basketball now and you go, Oh, I'm going to go kind of, I'm going to, I'm a student athlete or I'm a future student athlete. And I'm going to, I can't wait to do my visit. And I'm going to go see coach Hopkins or, coach when you walk into the arena you don't even know there's like this side door i don't know if you've ever done it yep. like you can't even figure out how to get into the basketball offices you walk up these old stairs they don't have they, they all the assistant coaches don't even have offices some of them have to share offices so there's no history there's no tradition like we have history and tradition here in basketball i mean we got it. So we, we've got to showcase all that has come before us on the men and the women's side. I mean, we have great players on both sides. So we've got, we're going to have a better front porch for that. Um, we expect to have um, access for former players, NBA players, WNBA players, and some special access for them as well. So those are going to be some of the bigger features, but, um, and, you know, you, in them figuring out how to connect our sports performance and wellness facility that we have right there next to this kind of like what you've seen in football ops, you know, you've done the tour in there where we have strength and conditioning, nutrition, fuel bar, meeting spaces, and all that all combined as well. So we're looking to, to to try to build that out in a connection with the existing space that our weight room is in right now.
1: A couple more football things before I uh, let you run Uh, fans in the stands uh, come September.
2: I, I swear to goodness gracious, if that has to happen. I mean, we are fully preparing for it. We don't have any control over where the state's going to be or where the virus is going to be. But to me, like if if we have the opportunity to have vaccinations and what I'm hearing about vaccinations and what I'm hearing about where uh, the prevalency of COVID is going to be in the fall, I see fans in the stands. And so that's what we're preparing for. We're also preparing to look for other hospitality opportunities, so maybe permanent opportunity finally to have beer and wine in the stadium. We're getting ready to look at renewal processes. Um, so our our plan is to have fans back in the stand. fans in the stands
1: with beer in their hand.
2: That hey, that's our love. <laughs> Let's go. New team. That's we're on a we're on a path for that. And we have we just absolutely have to have that happen. For the well-being of our department, but like we have to have that happen for our community, you know. And and so um, I'm hopeful. I really am. And I will actually proactively answer probably what your next question would be, which is when are we going to get Michigan back here? And I don't know everybody wants to know about that. So um, we are pushing really hard to try to find a way to get them here in 22, 23, ideally 22. Uh, If you study their schedule, that doesn't look possible right now. But I think for our fans to know, like we're doing what it takes to do that. If that costs us to get them here, if we have to help them with their schedule to get them to come out here, we're doing that. So um, we don't have full control. They have to, we have to get them there, but we, as a department, uh, Jason, um, who is our COO that helps with football scheduling has, made it his daily priority to try to figure out a way to get Michigan back here sooner rather than later. So um, we'll keep working those guys. We should start some sort of like fan campaign to like shade Michigan into getting there here. There we go. Let's plant that one.
1: What my, other f- my boy
2: Harbaugh, I'm sure he'd love it.
1: Yeah. What other, uh, anything future schedules you can tell us about? Because I'm actually yeah. starting, I'm actually starting a future schedule uh, rumor.
2: You ready? Is it Texas? Are you ready? Yeah,
1: just you know, part of the deal with PK going to Texas is they yeah. have to give a home and home. I don't. I, know.
2: I have been so I love Chris Del Conte. Their their athletic director actually had two conversations with them yesterday, and I have tried so hard to get those guys to play as a home and home, and they have said no at this point. Now, I mean, you start to look at this. The new strategy is where you think an AD or a coach might be leaving, and so then they're willing to like do a, a schedule. They they're willing to agree to something more long-term, but it's not when they're going to be there. <laughs> that's the new <laughs> strategy. Now that's why a lot of people do scheduling far out. So no, I think we're kind of got to figure out this thing. If there's some way we can, we can help Michigan offload an opponent and play us sooner than that. So, that, that creates an opportunity in those two years that we, you know, at least for the home year, that we need somebody. And then we've got, I want to say, I don't have the schedule in front of me, I want to say we've got a gap that we've been working on for maybe 26, 27. But we've got a lot of other big games, you know, that we've got Michigan State, we've got Ohio State, we've got some games already on the schedule too. And we're already looking at the 30s. And, um, you know, one of the things that I think can change A5 scheduling is if we could get expansion, which I'm in favor of, uh, for the college football playoff. I think it can even open up some other creative ways that we can get other A5 games um, on, on each other's schedules. I'd love to see the new commissioner find some sort of partnership with another A5 conference where there's kind of a rotating um, non-conference schedule. So everybody gets a piece of of that. And it's, it's not a popularity contest, but it's managed essentially a little bit more. Um, but that's, I guess, probably a topic for another day.
1: Yeah, you've uh, you've mentioned before, you know, Pete has mentioned it, you know, it's it's hard to get people to come play in Seattle. They just don't want to come here. But, uh, you know, with the new facility down in Los Angeles and the new facility down in yeah. Vegas, is, I mean, how much of a realistic chance of that happening?
2: I think it's great. I would love that for a, for a non-home game for us. I don't want to give up a home game for a neutral site game if I can. Um, but th- those are awesome options. I mean, we had had some initial conversations with the guys in LA, uh, prior to COVID, but so far right now, um, LA and Vegas have not figured out the economic model that is even close to what, like a Chick-fil-A type deal was for us when we went to Georgia. Um, and so they're gonna have to figure out competitively how to pay for something like that for neutral sites. Um, But we would love it. We'd be super interested in that. But my number one goal is to get great home and homes where our fan base who deserves it gets to see a great opponent come into Husky Stadium. That's our number one goal. And if a neutral side is the best option for us, it's advantageous and and at some points we'll do it. But our fans and our kids deserve to be playing these games in Seattle.
1: What else have I missed, Jen? What else is out there that uh, Husky fans might need? I just think
2: I would just say like, you know, stay with us. You know, I think the biggest thing that um, has kept me up at night outside of worrying about these kids all the time is just the lack of connection, you know, and that we've got signing day coming up. We've got an event for all season ticket holders. If they haven't gotten a link on this, they should. So we're going to do a virtual event to, to introduce our new guys to all of our fan base. And um, I don't know what we're going to be able to do with spring ball, but we'll come up with something where fans feel like they can be a participants in it. But I, just the biggest thing is like, I know it's been hard on our fans. I know it's, it's frustrating at times because people don't feel like there is a part of things, you know, because they aren't, because they're not physically in the, in the footprint, but um, we need you. And what separates us, especially with recruiting is actually sold out stadiums with rapid fan bases, you know, like we got to get people in there and we got to so stick with us and we're going to keep communicating with everybody the best we can and let's get excited for the fall.
1: If somebody wanted to write a big check to pay for the rest of the basketball facility, how would they do that?
2: Um, they can send it, um, directly. I'll meet them for coffee um, tomorrow morning or I'll meet them right now. Like whatever, just give them my cell. Let's do it. We, we, and we, we, yeah, we'll take it. And we've had amazing donors, but we're obviously going to keep raising some money, but we have a way to do this thing. So we're, we're going to move forward.
1: Feel free to contact me. I'll set it up.
2: No, I don't trust you now with that. No, let's get it straight to the let's get straight to the university. Some sort of finder's fee or something. We don't have that at the university.
1: It's Jen, Grinnell's
2: I, Consulting. Grinnell's Consulting.
1: Yeah, I run it down <laughs> with the uh, Kennedy Dale Fitness out of my basement. There you go. Oh, I, love, I, love,
2: I love the basement workout. Hey, it's really know. great catching up.
1: I don't know how you do it. It just seems like every day there's a crap sandwich laid at your desk. you got to yeah. deal with it. Coach
2: P is like always like, what the heck? Like, AD's jobs are interesting. I just love the students and the community and the university. It's, it's, we're good. It's But it is, it's, it's a, it's a very, we're, here's the deal. We are in the people development business. Like, all we do is work with people and develop people. And so people can be messy. So things can be messy. Like that is, and we do it in a really visible way, but that's what high performance is all about. Like we're supposed to be like in environments where we're trying to stretch ourselves to be our very best. We just do that publicly. And so um, we're no different than anybody else. And I'm no different than anybody else. And I just, that's all I strive for is to be in it as my own self, trying to become better and grow and learn from anything that I've done and then create an environment where the people in it have the opportunity they'd say, and that's really who we are.
1: Well, just promise me when you talk to coach Pete next time, just say, you know, Reynolds misses you and he wants to know if you're interested in a commissioner <laughs> job and just wait. Oh, I feel like
2: I've already like told him that's the rumor, like, but I'll pass it on. <laughs> There's, have you seen the picture of him in the Texas? Like, texas visor it's like he's like texas's coach even though it's sark it's so funny who is that guy
1: who is he these days (laughs) it's
2: classic (laughs) all right we appreciate it ken cohen thanks for
1: jumping on with us all right Yeah.
2: yeah okay thank you go dogs go dogs
0: okay